following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Last week, we kind of tore into this subject of uh, service as a spiritual discipline. Okay, we can view service uh, and kingdom service through different lenses a little bit. And this morning, I want to make sure that we got the appropriate lens on and we're looking at it through um, spiritual discipline. And for the summer, if, if you haven't been keeping up with this, that's what we've been kind of, all summer, we've been like, what does it mean to be an ordinary saint? What does it take? God uses ordinary people. He called ordinary people. Throughout his word, we see that he used ordinary, sinful people like you and I, and he created them into leaders. And they, they, they begin to follow him, and he worked in their lives. So what does it take today to become an ordinary saint? Well, I, I believe that the, that the answers are right in Scripture, I don't believe that it's like a crazy math equation. I don't believe that it's like this, this right conversation with this right professor. I once thought that, and the professor laughed at me, and he's like, listen, man, the thing that you're looking for, you're never going to find. You just got to start being obedient to the word. And I didn't like that answer then, you know, because I, like, I wanted something easy, you know, like just give me the things I need to know. So I leave, and he's like, the things you need to know are Jesus doesn't want a little bit of you. He wants all of you. So figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that took me until now. I'm still digesting that. But the, the truth is, is as we look into the Word, we see these spiritual disciplines that a lot of times, you know, they don't, they don't, I don't know if they get preached about enough because that is where saints are formed. That's where people learn um, to grow closer to God, right? I, something the students and I have been talking about is I've never met somebody yet in life, and maybe I will. Maybe, I mean, because God can do anything, but I've never met somebody yet in life that's told me, you know, I, I, I've hated becoming a Christian. I've never met anybody that told me that. So that's the worst decision I ever made in my life. I've only ever heard the opposite of that. So far, that's all. I've only ever heard the opposite of that. Um, <clears throat> likewise, I've also never had somebody that said, you know, I'm 37 years old. I've never pursued God a day in my life, and I don't know, something happened this morning, I woke up, and I am so close to God, I have no idea, I like, I just know the word, God is just, is just leading my life, and this is just crazy, I've never met anybody that told me that, I've met people that got, you know, God started working in their life, but I've continued to run into people and seek people out that, as they have spent time in the word, as they have spent time with God. As they've lived out those disciplines in their life, God has used those disciplines that he instituted right in his word that Christ lived out to draw his servants closer to him. Um, this morning, we're going to continue to look at, at, at service. It kind of happened as an accident, okay, that we looked at it two weeks in a row, but it's okay because Jamie and I were talking about different, different portions of it a little bit. And right in the middle of the list of the spiritual disciplines, I think this one is, is way weightier than we might realize, I think we might put some of our um, some of our, our focus on the Sunday school answers all the time, and 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 we should we should read your Bible and pray, right? That's the Sunday school answers, right? Any, like you go work children's church, like they'll raise their hand all morning long, and those are the right answers. Jesus, read your Bible and pray. Like those, that's going to be every single time. You're like you're absolutely right. Let's keep thinking. You know, uh, you're you're. But th- those are not those are not wrong answers, and those are not wrong answers here. But if we take service out of the equation, uh, we're missing it. We're completely missing it. Now, Jamie, uh, last week, he really made me feel awkward, okay? 
Because, yeah, I do uh, do some stuff around the building. You know, I do. And I'm okay with saying that. And, yes, Jamie has found me several times sweating in the attic somewhere. You know, I'm like, bro, get up here and help me run this wire. You know, he's like, I don't even know how to run my phone. I got to go somewhere else. You know, and we both laugh, and it's for the best, you know. But the truth is, is it made me feel awkward because I was sitting in a room getting patted on the back with a bunch of other people who serve. And it made me feel funny, and I didn't like it. So I just want to thank you for being people that see that and, and are part of that. I see you serving not just here, but I see you serving, more importantly, out away from here. When I, when I go somewhere and I see somebody that's, that's my family and I see them doing kingdom work, man, it just like, it wells up inside of me. I want you to know that. Like, I might not say it. I might not holler it out like, hey, way to be a light today. Thank you for doing kingdom work. But inside, I'm thinking about it. Maybe I should start saying it. Um, so it made me feel a little, it made me feel a little awkward because here's the truth in a moment of confession, I have to be honest, there are times that I might be serving, but I'm serving with a, I'm serving with the wrong heart. Like, I don't know if you've ever served with the wrong heart, but I know if I'm, if I'm being honest, I've served with the wrong heart sometimes because I I've did it because I wanted to feel needed. I, I've done it because I wanted to feel important. Or I've done it with just grumbling out of like, I don't want to do this right now. And so I have to be honest. Like, I've done, it with a, I've done it with a wrong heart, and I have to repent of that. I have to see that. And sometimes I feel like God's just saying, I don't care what your heart is. You just do what I've asked you to do, you know. I kind of think of myself and asking the kids to do the dishes. Like, honestly, right? Like, I don't really care how happy you are about doing them. I just want the dishes done. Because we got other things to do here. I don't know. But anyways, so that's just a moment of confession as, as we just get started here. Um, I've heard it said there are two types of people in life when it really comes down to it, all right? Um, KU people, which I am not, okay? K-State people, um, because they're both in the same state, I guess. You know, it's like the purple or the the, the red, um, the dogs, right, and cats, and those interesting families who like to combine them all in the home together, and they're dog cat, dog cat people, um, the uh, OU and OSU people, you know, and I got, I got, you know, lots of friends that they wear their orange, you know, and I'm a crimson guy, you know, I like the crimson, um, there are uh, Chevy and Ford, or uh, maybe it's Mustang and Camaro people, because there's quite a battle there, you know? I did hear, you know, they said, if you want to make a cheap hot rod, you buy a Mustang. I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, there are, um, some of you, uh, there are Xbox and PlayStation people, okay? I don't, you know, they say it's all in the design of the controller. I know which one feels normal, okay? PlayStation. <laughs> um, there are... <laughs> There are case and deer people. I know those are fighting words right there. You know, we're even bringing them up together. But, but you know, the red and the green, it separates us. I had a friend from Jamaica that, uh, that I was going to Bible college with, and he goes, I don't, I don't understand you. I don't understand the, the, the hats. 
Well, what he was talking about was all the different college hats. He's like, so much separation in this country, you know? <laughs> and he was talking about, that's like the colors. It's the colors, you know? And uh, I was like, yeah, it's just play, man. Like, <laughs> we all know which teams are the best teams, you know? <laughs> and um, I served with, uh, along with camp teams from all over different Bible colleges, you know? And then, and Mitchell, where you at? There's the, there's the Ozark camp teams, and then there's everybody else. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, so there, last and most importantly, this is this is where the line is drawn. Okay, there's the Android people, and there's the rest of us. Okay, <laughs> there's the Apple people, and it, it's crazy. <laughs> there are the there are two different types of people now. More importantly, um, I've come to realize there are givers. And there are takers. There are givers and there are takers. And I found that to be true in more than one way. I found that to be, I found, I found myself to be in and out of each one of those sometimes. Sometimes I feel like a giver. Sometimes I feel like a taker. I, I have found it to be true in, in some of these ways. Uh, physically, I found that to be true. Um, I found that to be true emotionally. There are givers and takers. I found that to be true with stuff. That there are some people that, you know, they're always taking stuff. And, I, and, and likewise, I've met people that are always giving stuff. It's like, you know, the first time I ever seen an iPod. You know, this, I, I, taught, I was this, this student at college, and I was like, whoa, what is that, dude? Like, I've never seen anything like that. He's like... This is this new thing from this company called Apple. He's like, it's really cool. You want it? And the dude, he give it to me. You know, I'd never even seen one of them before. And, and I'll never forget that, that I was like, I, first of all, I've never even met anybody like that guy before, you know, that was just like, just, just, just a giver, just always just giving. Um, are givers and takers with time? Right? There are some people that are, they are so extremely generous with their time. And there are some of us that are, man, that is the thing that we are guarded the most. And you can have a whole lot. If you want $100, you can have $100. But I'm busy. I'm really, really busy. Um, <clears throat> money. There are givers and takers with money. There are people that are extremely generous givers and servers with money. And people that are really, really tight. And, and they don't give for, for what, whatever reason there. But so... If that's true, if life is full of these two different types of people, I think we have to begin to think, like, maybe where do I fit in with that? If you buy into that, where do I fit into that? Am I a giver or am I a taker? What do I spend the most time? This is like a little, like, uh, you know, the kids, we stopped at a gas station this, this, this past week on the way home, you know, and first time I've done it in two weeks, so be proud. But uh, I popped open the hood, you know, and they're like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I, we should probably check the vitals because <laughs> we've been putting some hours on this thing, you know. And sure enough, the vitals were a little low, okay. And I think it's good that we step in, we just stop and just check the heart sometimes. The heart are the things that really matter. And I, I believe that service is a heart issue. And, and I believe that it's a good place for us just to, just to stop and just look at ourselves and take an honest inventory of, where am I at with this? How am I functioning most of the time? Are there adjustments that need to be made there? If I'm honest, I have to, I have to, I have to confess again. Sometimes I'm a giver. Sometimes I'm a taker. Um, 
And I, I, I tried to, I spent a little time trying to think, like, you know, without getting into any psychology or anything, like, maybe what, what produces this? You know, like, what produces this to happen in people? Is it, is it their upbringing? Is it their personality? Is it their different life circumstances? I don't really know. Is it just selfishness, right? Is it just, you know, us just continuing just to grind with selfishness in our life, the desires that I want, the things that I want, as opposed to the things that, that God wants and, and his attitude towards people? I, don't, I really don't know. I really don't know. But I, I know that there's a give-take issue that really matters. Uh, let's continue just to stay focused on this, this you know, posture of service through the lens of a spiritual discipline. So be thinking today, for no other reason are we looking at this, as we're looking at this as a spiritual discipline, all right? So this is, this is a spiritual discipline for me to grow closer to God through service. Um, I want to start with a couple questions. How do I serve God as a as as a spiritual discipline right now? How are you serving God right now as a spiritual discipline in your life? And maybe that's a, maybe that's a, a tough question. Maybe, maybe that's a really good question that you need to ask. Maybe it's never been asked. Uh, students and I, we were sitting down talking the other day, and a question I asked them is, what is your vision for your relationship with God? Like, you got goals and visions, and that's been taught to you in school, but when, when has anybody ever asked you, what is your vision 10 years from now? What do you want your relationship with God to look like? Because I think that's a I think that's a real question that that they need to be asked. They need to be challenged. We all need to be asked and challenged. But this morning, this is the question: How do I serve God as a spiritual discipline? Is that taking place anywhere in your life? Is it even on your radar? And it's all right if it's not. It's a spiritual discipline. It's an area of growth. Uh, second question is this: Do I complain more or serve more? And I'm talking about not just overall, like, you just complain because you don't want to eat at McDonald's and you want to eat there and you're just a whiner, you know? I'm talking about, like, church, okay? I'm talking about God. I'm talking about the things that you know that you need to do to grow. Are you more of a complainer or are you more of a server? Do you always pick everything apart and just whine about it all the time, spiritually speaking? Or are you a person that steps up and, and, and asks, like, how can I serve? How can I be part of? Where can I... Go and help. Um, maybe that person that you notice all the time, yeah, like I just can't believe they just can't get, they just can't. Maybe instead of complaining about them, serving them, right? Because it's not all about just stepping up and doing stuff, you know, here at this building, or or it's about serving other people, right? Um, here's the bottom line, and and I. This is not. This is not for me. This is. This is far too good for me. Okay, but um, at at the high school event that we were at, um, one of the guys that was speaking, um, he said this statement, and man, it has really stuck with me. Like up there, you know, with the things that are that I, you know, I just feel like that's going to be in that vault for a long time. It's not about what you know. It's about what you show. It's not about what you know. It's about what you show. Today we're going to look at Luke ten. Jesus is really being pinned down here in, in Luke 10. And, um, well, let's just look at it together. So Luke 10, 25 is where we're going to start. I'm reading out of the NLT. 
It says, one day an expert of, in religious law stood up and, and tested Jesus by asking him this question. Now, I'm just going to stop and just say that most commentaries say this guy, there was something very suspicious about this guy. This guy was most likely a lawyer looking to, to tangle Jesus up right here. So his questions were very pointed and being asked uh, very meticulously the questions that he's asking. Because he's trying to ch- trap Jesus. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get him in a snare, get him backed in a corner, and Jesus felt the pressure, okay? And Jesus, being the gangster that he is, you know, he acted just like we would expect for him to ask. And, you know, let's just check it out. He says, uh, one day an expert in, in religious law stood up, tested Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And I just love it, because Jesus doesn't, you know, Jesus just, just gives it right back. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? Like, don't come at me like that, man. You know the question to ask. You already know the answer. Don't, don't be coming at me crooked, you know. And he said, how, how do you read it? And it's just very, a very interesting, like, what do you think? You know, don't come at me that way. What do you think? You tell me what you think, and let's go from there. And he said, the man answered, Oh, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. He's going to the Old Testament, right? And with all your mind, and, and love your neighbors yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you'll live. It's really interesting that he didn't say anything about getting baptized. He didn't say anything about, you know, uh, believing, confessing in this, right? It's assumed this guy already knows. Like, this guy is pinning him into a corner. And he just said, hey, you probably need to work on this. Stop trying to pin me down here. Um... The man wanted to justify his actions, and he said, so who is my neighbor? Now, what a, what a, you know, so two questions, right? What must I do to have eternal life? Second question I see there is, who is my neighbor? Um, so Jesus goes into story time. We know Jesus does that. This story, maybe it's a true story, maybe it's not a true story. We don't really know. Uh, some of the details of the story are, are, are truth details, um, so the road that's mentioned, that's true. Everybody, would, There would have been no problem understanding this as absolute truth. But right now, all we know is that it's a story. So Jesus tells him a story. So, you know, and I can just imagine, you know, it's like, I love the Jesus story times. You know, every time they come up, it's like a trip to the woodshed for somebody. You know, it's like, you know, he's like, oh, okay, let's sit down. I got a story for you, you know. Um, and so the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. I mean, you might know this story. I'm sure you've heard this story. It's a very popular story. Uh, headed down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him up. They left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man laying there, he crossed by the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him laying there, but was also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along. This half-Jew, the Samaritan, came along and when he saw the man, he, le- he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. He put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Um, now, which of these three would you say, Jesus is speaking back to the lawyer, would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits. The man replied, well, the one that showed him mercy. Yes. Now go and do the same. Um, <clears throat> an interesting story, and here's some of the facts. So I just, I just pulled out a few facts uh, that stuck out to me. One is this. Um, 
I think that Jesus is addressing this, this issue right here of the only practical way we can demonstrate love to God is by loving our neighbor, okay? I don't know if you've ever thought through that before because sometimes, you know, we think through my, my commitment to God is, is how I love God. Um, my, my spending time in the Word is how I love God. And yes, those things are true. And we, we, those are some of the spiritual disciplines that we looked at. My, my time in prayer is how I love God. Yes, uh, I mean, those things are all like, like obvious. Like you have to do those things to even have a relationship with God. So how do we love God? Well, in, in, um, first John, in my iPad, my iPad was broken this morning. The Android fans just take a jab at me with that, you know. I don't, I like, I, so I have this paper and it's, it's different. But, uh, first John 4, uh, 20 through 21. says this, if somebody says, I love the, I love God, but hates his fellow believer, that person is a liar. Uh, for if we don't love people, we can, uh, for if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, you know, obviously knew exactly what he was talking about with this question of what he's trying to do is he's trying to say, he's trying to pin him into a corner and say, so what, who exactly are you saying are the people that I'm supposed to love? Who are those people? And, and I love it that Jesus doesn't say it's your fellow church members, right? It's the people who you share a yard with, you know, neighbors. It's the people that you share a yard, the people on your street, family. He goes outside of the church to, to this half-Jew Samaritan that there would have already been this conflict with. And it's like, you know, he's just rubbing it in in this story. Jesus says, we might not gather all that, but this is like the, the least like person for this for this this guy that's trying to pin Jesus down that obviously knows the word and has been around the word to know the things that he knows to throw out to Jesus. And so, he, you know, he's trying to pin him down. And Jesus, you know, the person that is, is living it out in Jesus' story is the least like person, the, the least suspected person. And so he says, uh, anybody, anybody that's in need. And, and I think that's one of the interesting things that stuck out as a fact in the story is that he didn't know the man, okay? It didn't say he liked the man. It didn't say he loved the man. It just said that he's seen a need. He just seen a need, right? I think if, if, if inside the cover of your Bible, this would be a really neat thing to write. I think it would go back, and I actually seen this years ago. I stole my mom's Bible one time, and I still have it. And it's a Bible that she had done a couple Bible stories. And the only thing that was really written in the cover was this statement. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and meet it. And I've never asked my mom where that came from, but I think it came from this parable. Because that's, that's the teaching that Jesus is teaching right here. It's not all about emotions and feelings. It's about look up, find a hurt and heal it, find a need and meet it. And that's how we're to live our lives as Christians, as a spiritual discipline to God. Because sometimes you're not going to feel like it. And it's okay. Because feelings are irrelevant to this. It's a discipline. And I, and I do this out of my love for God. I love other people because I love God. And that's how I show my love in an outward way, by, by loving other people. Um, one of the other things that stuck out to me in this was the two passers-bys. Like, those were temple workers. And we could, we could make the assumption that the reason they passed by is they thought he was dead. Okay? 
And it would, they would have been ceremonial unclean if they come in contact with them. I don't think that's truth, however. I think it's lazy. That's what I think. I think it's selfishness. I think it was like, we really got to be somewhere right now. And I really don't have time to mess with this. And you know what? That guy looks a whole lot like other people that I've come in contact with. And I've gone a million miles with them, and it's never produced anything. Somebody else will take care of that. I'm, I'm, I've got stuff to do. And that's selfish. And so we see these two back-to-back examples of selfish people that should have, been, should have known better than that. They were people that claimed to be followers. They were, they were temple workers. And yet this, this, this half-Jew person came along and, and had pity on him and had compassion there. Um, here's another thing that stuck out to me. Um, serving others will inconvenience you, okay? The phone call is never at a good time. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. It's never going to come at a good time. It's always going to, you have children in your home, it's absolutely never going to come in. There's always going to be some other little life crisis taking place, whether it's, you know, a food mess in the kitchen, whether it's an animal mess that the kids didn't take care of correctly, whether it's fighting and bickering about something. There's always going to be an interruption, right? And so if your heart is to serve other people, you should just get yourself, your, yourself in a posture of inconvenience. Because if we're serving others as a spiritual discipline... Like, remember, our feelings and emotions don't have to catch up with it. It's not like, and when you have time, love your brother and sister. It's not, that's not what it was said. We just read it together, right? It's going to be inconvenient. And the second part of that is it's going to cost. It's going to cost. Serving others is going to cost. And if, it doesn't, if it's not taking your money, it's going to take other resources. And if it's not taking your other resources, it's going to take your time. And like I already talked, I know that our time is extremely valuable. Because I got stuff to I got stuff to do, places to be, money to make, other people that I'm investing in, stuff going on. And so I just want to be really clear that I understand. And if anybody like I can empathize with you completely, okay? I get it. I get it. When stuff's going on in people's lives, to find a hurt and heal it, to find a need and need and meet it. When we're really doing that as an act of worship, as an act of spiritual discipline, it's going to inconvenience you and it's going to cost you. And so right out of the gate, you should just know that. You should just prepare yourself for that. And so it's not like, what the heck? This is really putting me out. Yeah, that's how it's going to work, you know. (laughs) Um, Okay, so going on here. Um, Most importantly, this is one of the things that really stuck out in, in Moore's commentary uh, through his uh, through the life of Christ, um, he he touched on this a little bit, and this parable reminds us that listen carefully to this because I had to read it a few times. That correct theology is insufficient for inheriting eternal life. Stop! Don't get frustrated with me just yet. If we don't do what we know is right, then all our correct answers to Bible questions. Do not get us one step closer to the kingdom of God. Right? Because that's what, that's what Jesus was combating here with this guy. This guy knew the answers. This guy that was coming at Jesus knew the answers, but he wasn't living out what he knew. He wasn't doing it. And that's the whole point of this parable. Is your correct theology and, and fighting over who knows the right answers 
that's not the heart of the issue here. The heart of the issue, do you, are you loving God and loving one another? Are you loving God and loving people that don't that don't have a relationship with Him? Are we are we living that out? Um, so, what if our lives become a serving contest, right? And so, Jen and I were talking about this, and I hesitantly brought it up because, guys, this is a big deal, right? Like, what if our posture was like is like a game show? You know, like it's a serving contest, guys. <laughs> guys, it's a this is this is what. We're, so, I look at my wife and. I'm like, who can beat each other to serving each other best first, right? Can you imagine the marital problems that would be fixed if that was the philosophy of marriage? Like right now, think whatever the, whatever the nonsense was we were just fighting about, okay? Maybe even before we got here, like we were joking the other day, we all got in the car, and it was just a joke this time. But other times it might not have been. We all got in the car, and I fake yelled at everybody. I was like, now shut up and put your seatbelts on. We're going to church, you know. And somebody else, I don't even remember, somebody was in the car with us, and they're like, uh, and I was like, I'm just playing. (laughs) I was just playing. But there have been times, right? And we all know it. There have been times. Maybe today was one of those times, but what if, what if we viewed the whole thing as a spiritual discipline, not that I have the best wife in the world, but not that she deserves for me to just like try to beat her to the punch and serve her the best that I can all the time, right? Not that she deserves that, and not that even she's even going to respond appropriately, right? Because sometimes like, what the heck? Like, I really worked hard and you didn't even notice, and blah, 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 my feelings and my emotions, and none of that matters because we already talked about that, right? Because that's not how this game show works. This game show works. The person gets a ribbon that outserves the other person. That's how it works. How many of our marital problems would that fix if that was our posture? If we let all the other little petty nonsense go, all the little keeping track nonsense go, and we're just like, how can I just serve this person for Jesus? Not for them, but as a spiritual discipline for my relationship with God. What about, what about our neighbors? What if that's genuinely how we start to look at the people around us? Going out, I'm gonna outserve them. Welcome to the game show. You know, you know they don't deserve it all the time. This isn't a you scratch my back, I scratch yours. That's not that's not what that's not what Jesus was teaching right here. That's not what he's talking about. It's like you serve people, right? What about our family? That starts to in our home and outside of our home, even our family, right? Because we know some of them don't deserve it. What if that's not the point? What if the point is not do they deserve it or not? What if the point is this is me loving God? I'm loving people. And I'm about to get the I served the best award. And in doing so, it's going to draw me closer to God. What about coworkers? What about parents? I was going to say kids, but I just decided I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> uh, but seriously, kids and parents both. Now, I want you kids to know, us parents, we serve you a lot, okay? <laughs> um, but for real, what if that became our approach? And we started, we started just to think about the whole thing. And what if, it, what if it fixed our parenting issues with our children? What if it fixed our marital issues? What if it fixed our crappy attitude that we have about the people that we work with? or about the neighbors that we have, or the people that live up and down the road from me, or the family that I can't stand. 
What if it began to fix that through me serving God? And it began to fix that. And I let go of all the, the preferences that I have, the things that I like, the things that I want, the things that I think they ought to do or, or not do, and I just let go of it. And I just loved God. And through loving God, and I showed that, that action, I, I fleshed out that action, and I lived it out. And I really, really got real with it, church. I think that it would energize us. That's what I think. I think that, it, I think that it's going to benefit you way more than you even realize. I think it's going to benefit me. It was hard to sit down and say, okay, Jen, so I, this is what I think. Like, what if we had a serving contest, but it almost stopped? What if we have a, hey, where do you want to eat? You know, like, the conversation almost just broke hard, you know? Because if I'm going to say that, then I've got to start owning up to it. And i got to, like, I don't want to just be talk, right? Because talk is, talk is cheap. It's not what I know, it's what I show, right? What if I started that in the very, the very little corners of life? where it was most difficult. Sometimes we aren't serving because we've grown weary. And it's, it's going to happen. I want you to know it's going to happen. It, it, it's happened to me. I've grown weary. And I, I've, there's been times where I have absolutely nothing to give. And it's crazy because God always like knocks on the door right then, you know, and sends me that phone call or sends me that one thing. It's like... And we have, we have a choice right there, right? We absolutely have a choice. So what do we do in those moments and seasons? Um, I, think that, I think that we have to go back to what we were talking about earlier. We have to remember that it's not about your feelings. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your emotions. You have to separate that stuff. You're not going to feel like doing it sometimes, church. We're not going to, even when it's your, your, your beloved bride, okay, and you're going to look at her and you're going to be like, uh-uh. I'm sitting down right now in this chair. And that's just what you're telling yourself on the inside, right? As you're doing it, you're like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. I'm watching TV right now. Sure, it's going to be unfair sometimes. What we did to Jesus was unfair, right? Like we strung him up on a cross, it was unfair. And he kept on serving us. He kept on serving us with his life. Um... It's about my love for, for the Lord. That's what it's about. I think in those moments and those times where it gets all caught up inside and I'm weary and, I, and, I'm, and it's this season of I just got nothing to give, we realize I'm not given to them. I'm given to God. I'm given to God. Um, if you're a giver, I, I want you to do this. If, if you've identified yourself this morning, you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm a I'm a pretty darn good giver, you know? I'm about to fill my chart up with stickers before we leave this place. Um, good for you, okay? Uh, I'm proud of you. Um, remember why, okay? Remember why. Remember, remember who you're serving and why you're doing it. Um, if you're a taker, grow up, okay? That's the tough, that's the tough. That's the tough part of it. If you've identified yourself as a taker, grow up. Sometimes we can't identify ourselves as a taker. But if people in life are telling you that, and life is really difficult for you, and you can't figure out why it's so difficult, you're probably a taker. And those are hard truths to come to, come to terms with sometimes for us. I've identified myself in both of those categories, all right? If you're a taker, you've got to grow up. You've got to start serving others 
for your own spiritual growth, okay? And, and I, it's, I, I believe it's a thing that you're missing. It's the thing that this guy was missing. He knew the answers, and it was the thing that he was missing, and that's what Jesus broke down to him. Uh, it's not what you know. It's what you show. So I got a hallway at my house. I have a small home with a really big hallway. It's kind of interesting. Like the hallway is like, we get, you know, like a whole other bathroom out of this hallway. You know, this square footage deal. Like I don't, if for, another, for another toilet, all right, friends, like I could walk down something this wide for another toilet in my home. I promise you. Like I could do it. I could figure out how to get furniture down that for another toilet in my home. I promise you. But we got this big hallway. And it's an old crookedy floor. You know, the house is like in the mid-40s, 1940s, okay? Uh, and so this is, a, this is an old home. And, you know, it looks, it looks all right when you look down it, but when you walk down it, like, if you just walk normal and somebody's laying in bed, it makes a crazy sound. Like, it sounds like it's a stampede down it. And if you stampede down it, it sounds like, you know, you brace yourself. Like, I'm in bed and I'm like, whoa, what's, what's about to happen in my home, you know? So, we, you know, we, we tell each other, we're like, hey, shh, tiptoe down the hallway. And, and we know what it, like, hey, your sister's asleep. Hey, your brother's asleep. Hey, mom's asleep. Hey, dad's asleep. Shh, tiptoe down the hallway. Because if you're not tiptoeing, it's, it's banging. It's going to disturb somebody. And so here's the thing. And, I, and I, I was thinking through this. And I was thinking about that scenario in our life. And it's a, it's a daily thing, living in a little home where you're on top of each other. And I love it. Like, it's so, it's so neat outside the second toilet thing, you know. But it's really pretty cool. Um, I think when it comes to serving, though, when it comes to serving for, for, for me, and maybe when it comes to serving for you, we're stuck in tiptoe mode. And, and this, is, this is what I think this might look like. I think it might look like this. I don't want to offend anybody, so I'm not doing anything about it, and I'm just kind of tiptoeing around it, okay? Whatever that circumstance may be. Maybe it's this. Maybe, I, you know, I don't, I don't really want to overstep my boundaries you know, like, I don't, I don't really want to get in their business, and so we just kind of tiptoe around it, right? You, you ever been in that situation? Have you ever found yourself thinking that? Like, yeah, it's, it's his marriage. It's her marriage. It's their life. It's their family. It's their job. You know, it's, it's, they're, they're kind of quiet about their health stuff. It's their health stuff. I, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to get anybody's business, and so we just kind of tiptoe around it. Um, here's the other one. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have the answers that they need. Like, I, I don't really, like, there's somebody else. I just don't know if I'm going to have the answers that they need. And I, and I tiptoe around it. Church, here's the danger in that. When that is our approach to serving, even when we got the uh, heart of, I, I want to serve, but, but we continue to tiptoe, here's the thing that we do. I, I really think that, um, that that's not from God. That those thoughts right there are not from God. That those thoughts of, you don't have the answers, that somebody else is going to do it, that you're going to offend them and get in their business, Guess what? Jesus was very offensive to people. And he really didn't care. He just come face to face with people. He called things how, how he seen it. He was heads up with people, but he loved people. His heart was loving people. And he did it by serving people. And I don't think those thoughts, I don't think they're from God. I think they're, I think they're like a direct line from Satan, okay? To just keep us in this cocoon of spiritual laziness so that we're ineffective to the people around us. So I want to challenge you this morning that if that's where, you, if like you're tiptoeing around all kinds of stuff in life, man up, okay? Like, woman up. 
you know, ordinary saint of. I don't know what the word, you know, that's what we're talking about. Like, 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 be bold. Realize, like, that's, get involved in people's life. You know what, if it offends them, offend them with love. They're probably going to get over it. If they see your heart, if they see your heart, they might be like, that was not the best timing, but I, I see their heart. Because the other side of that is, and now check this out. I thought about this a little bit. Is there anybody that we're just tiptoeing to hell right now? You follow me? Like they need the Jesus that you have. They need that truth. And they need somebody to help them. They need somebody to encourage them. They need somebody to find a need and meet it. They need somebody to find a hurt and heal it in their life. And through that, it's going to connect them to Jesus, to their Savior, so they can live with the eternal hope that their sister Kim was living with. So I'm going to beg you, church, don't tiptoe anybody to hell around you. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Don't miss the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Don't miss it. Take it for what it's worth and realize it's not about knowing all the answers. It's about being obedient. 